You know, there's something magical about a child's laughter. Um, I've, I've noticed this myself because, I mean, if, you know, like me, you, you work from home ordinarily or, you know, your place of work hasn't gone back uh, yet, so, you know, you're still working from home. And uh, if you're, you know, uh, one of those parents of children who, who haven't gone back to school because, you know, their age group is, isn't, isn't back yet, then, you know, you're probably, like me, uh, hearing a lot more laughter and uh, the sounds of children learning and playing and, you know, doing what kids do, you know, like, uh, you know, not doing their home learning like they said they would the moment you, you turn your back there. Uh, making TikTok videos and smashing your house to bits. And, you know, it's just, there's something magical, isn't there, uh, about being around them all the time. Because you love them. You love your children so much. Every parent loves their children, right? And, you know, we love our partners too, uh, our husbands and our wives and our, our life partners and the, the people who live in the house with us. And, you know, seeing so much more of them and seeing so much more of the children all the time in such very close proximity isn't uh, distressing at all it's it's fine it's it's not just fine it's great it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me because i've learned to appreciate the magic of a child's laugh and the magic the real magic is this it's not just the the fact they lost laugh so easily the, the fact that they laugh so much it's the fact that no matter how much soundproofing you put in your office or between yourself and them, you can still hear it. Welcome to Lockdown Lemonade, a show about the unexpected silver linings of the coronavirus lockdown. My name is Andrew Keith Walker, and in 2010, I started working as a freelance writer, which basically is the career equivalent of self-isolation. And that means I started social distancing about 10 years ago by mistake. Then a strange thing happened. Since the lockdown started, I've been seeing more people than ever before via webcam chats, and I'm feeling less socially distanced than I did before the lockdown which got me thinking. When the lockdown ends, maybe we'll all take something positive away from this strange experience. Maybe everyone has discovered an unexpected upside to the lockdown. You know that old saying, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Well, this podcast is about that. It's conversations and laughter about the life lessons my friends have learned as they've taken their lockdown lemons and made lockdown lemonade. You see, the, th the thing is, it's called Lockdown Lemonade, but um, the lockdown will end, and uh, I, and then the show just doesn't have a relevant title anymore. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I, I didn't like the name. I, I picked the name. I didn't think it through. I'm stuck with Lockdown Lemonade. What am I supposed to call it? What's next? The Brexit? Brexit Lemonade? I don't think so. That just sounds like code for P. I realise I don't think I know where you live anymore. I now live in Queen of the Suburbs of Ealing. Yeah. Okay, so we've definitely been sending cards to the wrong address for a number of years. Oh. I'm now panicking slightly that, that I may have just not sent a card in the last couple of years. We've sent cards uh, relentlessly in an almost stalkerish way to some complete strangers who live in your old house. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, I've been making jokes in the cards. I've been saying stuff like, I'm watching you. Uh, I'm in the house now. Um, by the time you open this, uh, you know, uh, I, I will have snuck in and cut a lock of your hair off, which I'm using to clone you in a lab. And of course, I realize now that if that was you, you know me, you'd know that that was a joke and it was funny. But those poor people now are probably living in, in absolute horror and terror. 
Well, to compound that misery, what I could do, because I know the address, I could pop by and just slip a note, a hand note under going, he is definitely watching you. (laughs) (laughs) That's my old friend Robert Cabin. He is a very talented filmmaker and a documentary maker and a producer. And uh, he he does TV shows and he directs things. He did uh, things like Wife Swap and uh, New Life Down Under and The Real Good Life and Bad Lads Army. Officer Class, Brat Camp, uh, Family Brat Camp, Mummy's Girl, The Choir Revisited, uh, The Choir, Boys Don't Sing. He won a BAFTA for that. He he also uh, made uh, Make Me a Christian, How a Choir Works, Shanties and Songs of the Sea, How the Other Half Live, Rome Wasn't Built in a Day, Secret Millionaire, Reverse Millionaire, The Railway Keeping Britain on Track, The Crane Gang, Parking Mad, Britain's Biggest Primary School, Million Pound Properties, Britain's Favourite Dog, Scruffs, Five Star Babies, Inside the Portland Hospital, The Accused, uh, Inside the Bank of England, Inside the Force, 24-7, Cold Case Murder. You know, you get the idea. He's, like, you know, awesome. And, uh, yeah, he's he's very cool. And because he makes TV shows and stuff, and he's, he's travelled the world and done all sorts of amazing things, and plus films as well. Uh, and I thought it'd be really cool if uh, we set this week's conversation to the sound of Hollywood. But I couldn't find anything, so I, I did a search in my uh, library, and uh, all I've got is a generic city at night. It's it's hard to think how you get out and about with the camera in the lockdown. Presumably not. Well, basically, there's a real problem with making intimate, compelling documentaries um, based around following people's lives in a close contact during the pandemic. But I started a new contract about five days before Boris said, everyone... Just don't go out. And about five hours into that contract, I was in an office at the BBC, and literally people just started packing up their bags and leaving. And before the day was out, they said, oh, actually, go home. We better cancel your contract. And that, that's pretty much sim- symbolic of what's happened to the whole industry in terms of documentary. Presumably as well, you're faced with restarting that in a slightly strange way because you're going to be doing documentaries with people wearing masks. Well, this is it. Well, commissioners, we all love commissioners, don't we? Those incredibly easygoing, um, not at all strange, uh, precious... I shouldn't say this. This is good go for Anyway. You know, um, there's 12 people that will hear that. None of them no, work in TV. All of them commissioners. <laughs> um, um, no, basically, already the word is going round that, you know, when we do start up again, uh, we want to get factual TV going, but we don't want it to be kind of uh, date-specific. So we need to be able to film stuff in a way which doesn't evoke or reflect or suggest the pandemic because we're bored of lockdown and we're bored of the pandemic. And that's fine, but as you say, if everyone is two metres away wearing face masks, or um, it, it's quite tricky to work around that. There's a lot of... I mean, I'm guessing you can do quite a lot of gimbal work and, you know, steady cam. Gimbals, uh, long booms. Uh, you can do stuff. But ultimately, it's really, really problematic because it's not about um, the practicalities, really. It's more about we film normal people in the real world. And actually, in terms of risk, they are increasing their risk a lot when they invite a camera crew to kind of hang around with them from somewhere else. So I think the big problem program makers are facing is not so much the practicalities of making a program. It's two things. It's the the, um, desire of people to be involved in the documentary or business or an institution. I mean, I've, my last three documentaries have been based in Bank of England, a private maternity hospital, and a primary school. 
Now, none of those places at the moment are going to be thinking, hey, right, let's, uh, next thing, documentary film crew. You've done films following a very, very famous uh, documentary following Base Jumpers. You've done a number of groundbreaking series. You've been inside the Bank of England at a crucial time through, uh, through post-Brexit chaos. You've, you've seen so much stuff. You must have something in mind for when you get out uh, of the house again. Well, I have realised that there's two little subject matters. I, I, mean, I don't mean particular subject matters, but I, I've realised I've lost two passions over the years that I want to make documentaries about. And these are, these are just generic areas rather than subject areas, but... I suddenly realised I've grown up loving music and I've never done a music documentary. And I've been, as you know, obsessed for many years about, you know, the weirdness of the Appalachian kind of one-two guitar player. And uh, deep down, I'd love to make a travelogue about that world, which is a kind of mis... which is not about... it's not important, it's not a big institution, but there's a weird cultural musical journey to be made. Um, the thing is, I can't work out. It needs, it's the kind of thing that needs to be fronted by somebody. It needs a, it needs a front person, uh, a kind of passionate presenter to be involved. And I can't work out who that would be. Um, oh! Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah. Actually, me, me. I want to do that I show. Would, I want to do that show. I was thinking that it needed a, a middle-aged burglar type. <laughs> so what has been... What's been the silver lining to the... Everyone's got a silver lining to the lockdown, no matter how thin... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What has been your lockdown silver lining life lesson that we can learn if, if we all just listen? Um, it's a bit clichéd, probably. Um, but the bottom line is I have spent a very long and far more long and intense period with the kids and the family. And I was worried that that would create, you know, violence, conflict and awfulness. But actually, it's mostly been quite pleasant. Um, and what's been really good is that on a very simplistic level, after, like all of us, you know, you go through periods of working incredibly hard, two or three years of just working, 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 working. And I shouldn't say this because it's a pandemic and people are having a terrible time. This sounds so banal. But you know what? It's really recharged my battery. <laughs> I've kind of... <laughs> I've had time to step back. And yes, there's been worries about money and income's been slashed. And that's not nice. I wouldn't like that to continue. But on a basic human level, I've done that very cliched pandemic thing. I've gone, oh, I do like the birds singing. I do like being with the kids. And um, I can get satisfaction from a newly painted wall. Almost, not quite the same, from a, a good day shoot. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it, I think it's the small things. It's basically reminded me that, you know, away from the, the, the rat race, there's contentment to be found. But obviously, it's a bullshit contentment, though. It's not. Because, well, I guess, it, no, it's not, maybe that's excessive. It's not a bullshit contentment, but it, it's one that really can't be maintained um, because it's based upon certain four circumstances, which is that I, I can't go out and work my guts out. So being be not allowed to helps. Do you think, though, do you think, are you resolving to change that? I've resolved to change it. I've thought, you no, know what, actually, I'm, I, I need more social interaction because I live out in a cottage in the woods. You're enjoying the, you know, the, not being necessarily forced to, but the desire to, inter to, to reach out more. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the having my routine messed with. I didn't uh, think I would. At first, I, it made me depressed, and it sort of threw me out. I had a very strict... I think a lot of people who work from home and work for themselves, they have a very strict routine, right? You know, you stop yeah, at one yeah, yeah. to eat your lunch, you finish that, you walk the dog at, you know, half past one, you sit down, you're back. Whereas now everything has been up in the air so much. Um, but actually, I've kind yeah. of got used to just flexing and doing things differently, and it feels great, you know? That's good. Yeah. That's really good. So that I wanted to really... carry on. I, actually, you know what? I, you, you won't believe this. All right, I, t- I did the couch to 5K in London. Oh, nice. I went from running for a minute and then collapsing, clutching at my chest, praying for death, through to uh, voluntarily running for half an hour, wow. uh, three, four times a week. It's good, isn't it? Running's good. It's, I or, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. No, the thing is, is that honestly, I cannot honestly tell you that running is, an, running is a mind-bending journey into hell. And I hate everything about it, but I am compelled on some. I can't help. I can't stop doing it. And if I don't do it, I feel weird. It's a great stress. It is a great stress buster. It's a great. Yeah, stress it is. Buster. It is genuinely a stress buster. But it is also something you can get quite obsessive about, and and um, you end up just hurting yourself physically and mentally. Really? But, really? Um, See, I haven't hurt myself yet. I thought I would. I bought. I did do a Google search. I was looking specifically for. I typed in trainers for fat people. Uh, and uh, you know, I didn't think quite so many articles would come up. All right, <laughs> running shoes for fat people—you get even more. And there, and there are like pages and pages and pages of experts wow. saying, "Well, you know, if you if you're a fat middle-aged man and you've just taken up running because you're terrified that death is looming over you every night, like you know, the Grim Reaper standing there, and you, you you as your eyes half close, you see the glint of his blade like like some horrible Ingmar Bergman film, and you know you're all out of chess pieces, and you're, you're gonna." You're going to die, you, you're fat, you've got high blood pressure, you're going to die. And, you know, if something like that. And, you know, if you type that into Google, it comes up with loads of pages saying, oh, do you, do you feel like, you know, death is standing over your bed and you see the glint of its side and you're fat and you're going to die, you're going to die and you're out of chess pieces and your life has no meaning and, you know, what's the point of your existence? These shoes are for you. It's amazing. I love the internet. Wow. Yeah. Did that feel, did you feel reassured to be part of such a large community? I I did, I did. I felt a little bit of uh, cognitive dissonance because, you know, they're like you know, 150 quid for a pair of shoes uh, to, to prevent oh. death from claiming you early. And that hurt. That did. I mean, I yeah. got them cheap on Amazon. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got them cheap on Amazon. But it still it still hurt me a bit. I, I still thought, wow, when, when did you make so much money out of fat people who are uh, staring into the, the void of a meaningless life <laughs> you know that, seems... that is great the, the fact that you embarked upon that running thing it's oh my god oh my god you've started interviewing me I just realised yeah. damn you filmmakers I, I, I by the way I've got my own podcast this is a weird mirrored world <laughs> this whole thing will be in another podcast but cut differently Okay, so that's Lockdown Lemonade for another week. And, um, yeah, that, uh, I just, you know, normally I would say, oh, please subscribe to the show. And I do. I want you to subscribe to the show and give it a five-star rating. And we are, of course, uh, the, the show's available on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Spotify and um, uh, iHeartRadio I, I and, uh, you know, uh, SoundCloud. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Find it. You can find it everywhere and it's available on any device. But what, what, what I really wanted to get to, just before the end of the show because I'm running out of time, is, is to say um 
Can you uh, write, find Rob McCabe on the internet, do a search for Rob McCabe, TV uh, filmmaker, and, and write to him and say, uh, um, Rob, uh, please, could you make a documentary uh, uh, with a, a fat middle-aged uh, man who looks like a burglar uh, fronting it where you, you go to uh, Appalachia and, um, uh, I mean, you know, uh, he, he gets a free trip to America. Please, can you just, can you do that? Okay, good. Uh, all right, so uh, subscribe, subscribe to the show. I just need your attention. Please listen to my show and don't forget to write to Rob and ask him if I I can uh, uh, front that show because I need to front that show. I need to go to America and front that show. Uh, uh, mountain man. Okay, thanks. Right, good.